gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. What's up everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of ESSR Central here on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. My name is David Hockney and this is now our 25th anniversary since our first uh, Central episode. So happy silver anniversary to, to Central here. Uh, now what's been an already been a stacked week here in the world of wrestling, everywhere from WWE to NXT and everywhere else in between. We've got a lot to get through this week, uh, but we're a little low on numbers today. So it's just going to be me and one other person. And he has been on a past episode of Central before. He is a contributor for uh, WWE and the Mirror Sport. It is Mr. John Isherwood. John, how are you? I'm very good, thanks. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, and I'll say thank. I just said before we went on air, thanks for for stepping in to do this. You know, we think you were a great addition to uh, discussing all the the news we have on in the world of wrestling, and it's great to have you back on. No, thank you. I really appreciate that. It's brilliant. Uh, it's, uh, it was great to be on last time, and uh, looking forward to being back on today. Excellent. Well, what do you say we kick off with uh, arguably the biggest news story of the week, and it comes out from WWE. And I only wish Leo Rush was here to do this, but you know what? We'll do it. Well, he's not here. Lashley, Lashley, Lashley. Lashley. <laughs> yeah, amazing. So Bobby Lashley, after 16 years since he first signed with WWE, has finally become WWE champion, dethroning The Miz in a lumberjack match after just eight days following Elimination Chamber and the Money in the Bank cash in. So, just to throw in a few stats out there, Bobby Lashley is now the 53rd man in WWE history to win the WWE title. He's the third African American WWE champion. And he's also the second man in history to win the WWE, ECW, and TNA world titles. The first being Rob Van Dam. And a fun, and just one more fun fact that this actually made me chuckle. MVP was with him with an injured leg on both times where he won the WWE and TNA titles. So, John, I'll throw it out to you. What is uh, your initial response to Bobby Lashley finally making it to the top of the WWE mountain? It's a real moment of somebody who has tried to smash through a glass ceiling for so long, went away, came back, and that is something that bosses of mine have said to me in the past when you've gone to a certain place and you try to get so far, they're like, look, go away, come back, and I guarantee things are going to happen. And when when Bobby came back first time, you know, this time around after that WrestleMania, I was like, oh, I'm not really bothered. But he he really stuck to this role he did a lot of great stuff and the hurt business are just incredible him winning this title it was a real moment a real moment and and a man when you look at that you look at the stats all the titles he's had mm -hmm. that is incredible and a really good moment for bobby lashley and an interesting champion going into into wrestlemania Mm -hmm. Yeah, it certainly shaked up the WWE title picture yet again, when obviously, as we've discussed on previous shows, the one on SmackDown is practically set in stone now. But I want to ask you about Bobby Lashley's first run in WWE when he first signed back in 2005. Like, everybody was comparing him as the next Brock Lesnar almost. Mm. Uh, and he made a huge impact in such a short space of time. Did you think he was possibly going to win... I mean, obviously, you know, he won the ECW title during that reign, but do you think he was uh, a credible WWE title competitor all the way back then? Not then, no. I, I don't think he was... He wasn't giving off that superstar power at that time. He, he was obviously a huge, huge player, and he looked the part, but I just didn't see him in that 
in that top bracket at mm. all at that time. He was a brilliant upper mid carder for me. That that intercontinental US title kind of zone. But did I see him breaking through back then? Nah, mm. I didn't. And and obviously there was the comparisons between him and Brock. You know these big lads who, if they got together, they would. That that's just going to be a scrap, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. but. I didn't see it at the time. I mean, he again, it, he went away, improved himself, much like Drew McIntyre did. Mm-hmm. Went away, improved himself, and came back. And that was the making of a man who has now got to that point. Mm. Anyone can walk into a business and, and Vince could look at someone and go, you are going to be a superstar and I know it. And sometimes rushing them into those pictures isn't right. You don't want to send them to the top straight away. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking that of Keith Lee right now. Yeah. Keith I, Lee, main event player. He's going to get there, but not right now. Uh huh. And you made a really good comparison in there with Drew. You know, Drew, you know, he was sort of that upper mid card level. He went away, then came back, and he just swept through the competition. But obviously, last year wasn't as quite a smooth start when he came back in 2018 because, uh, you know, he was flowing into that feud with Sami Zayn in the infamous Lashley Sisters promo. And then he was yeah. embroiled in this. Uh, love triangle with Rusev and Lana, which didn't do him any favors. I mean, he did win the Intercontinental title a couple of times, but I think that was just sort of keep his head above water. And it was only when, only when he started to get involved with MVP in the heart business, that's when his superstardom finally took off, which was about, even though it was about a year and a half, <laughs> a year and a half late, but he got there in the end eventually. That's it, it's getting there in the end, isn't it? And he's stuck there with some of the stuff that's been thrown at him. And he's got to sit there going, okay, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll do that. Mm-hmm. Because he knows he's going to get there. He's on a journey. And when he worked with MVP and he got in with the, the, the whole Hurt Business gimmick, that just lit a fire mm-hmm. under him and under MVP as well. Which is amazing that it's 2021 and we're talking about MVP in the main event yeah, picture. MVP. But it's, it's so good to see him do that. I mean, like, it, it was a, like, I like to say, it's a real moment for Bobby Lashley. And I think it's, it's a big, big thing. And, and now he's in that main event picture. It's staying there for him. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He can't just be a, a transitional champ. I certainly hope so because, I mean, at the moment, he's 44 years old. And there have been rumors floating around that he might not wrestle for, you know, an, much longer but you know maybe a few more years under his wing but i think now's that now's as good as any you know to sort of reach the pinnacle of your career and win the wwe championship which brings me over to our to my next point so what do you think this is going to mean for because we've got two wwe pay-per-views left of this you know the sort of wwe like pay-per-view calendar year because there's fast lane and then obviously wrestlemania itself and there have been some rumors that he could be facing brock lesnar at wrestlemania so what I want to know is, what do you think is going to happen between now and do you see him walking into WrestleMania as the champion? Well, it's totally throwing me for a loop because I really didn't see it all playing out like this. Mm. I thought that Miz was going to carry the title into Fastlane and that's when all the interference was going to happen, whether it would have been... Well, I expected it was going to be Drew interfering in Raw, and then it would have been Bad Bunny interfering at Fastlane, <laughs> leading to that tag match, which we all know is going to happen. But now I'm just really confused. I I expect Drew is going to be the one who's going to step up. He's the one that's been making the noise mm-hmm. and saying that he wants he wants the title. But obviously, then he's still got Sheamus to contend with. That's not over with. 
So I assume there's going to be some form of screw job finish in that match. And I I I don't want to put money on it, but I'd expect it. I I, I think Vince has thrown the money at Brock and we're going to get Brock and, mm. and Bobby at WrestleMania on one of the nights. It's going to headline one of those nights. Mm. But you know what I think is quite good? You know, it keeps us all guessing as well. You know, you think, will WWE just play it safe and go with Drew? Because a lot of us in this pod have, have to say, have obviously, you know, obviously being Scottish and stuff, we want to back, uh, back Drew all the way. But it, a lot of us feel he was kind of robbed of that big WrestleMania moment because it was around the same time as when the yeah. pandemic first hit and he didn't get, you know, that grandeur moment in front of a in front of Raymond James Stadium with 80,000 fans. Do you think because they are scheduled to go to Raymond James this year and have at least some fans in the arena, there have been talks that Drew might get might get a do-over almost, like he might regain the title uh, in front of an audience in a big stadium instead. But I actually I actually agree with your assumption that, you know, I wouldn't rule it out that Vince throws the money at Brock. And, you know, this is a match that Lashley's actually been asking for. He wants to face Brock Lesnar. And one quote, I think, well, I'm just paraphrasing it here. He said, uh, there was no need for him to fight me, but now that I have the WWE Championship, he, he's got a reason to fight me. So I think the both options are certainly plausible at this stage. They're certainly there. And look, if, you know, what you say is very accurate, that he's not got long left on his on his career he wants to kind of wind this down now and he's going to wind down by going out from the top as champion this match with Brock has been it's been sort of touted for so many years now this has got to be the time to do it so yeah. let's do it and it's you know it's like I say it's going to be a scrap to MMA fighters that are going to go in there it's going to look legit you know Paul Heyman no doubt is going to be involved in it and, and and again the dynamic with that Paul Heyman representing Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns wow that's exactly. incredible I mean again but it's so big and Brock is money it's obvious and it appeals to that casual viewer again who just know oh Brock Lesnar yeah I know yeah, oh, oh he's fighting wow that's going to be a fight these two mm. have got legit history it's MMA stuff brilliant I'm in and I think I think they'll go that way around mm. You know what, you know, saying that, you know, it, Brock Lesnar appeals to a casual audience and obviously, obviously the UFC audience as well. Mm. I think you've actually got me hyped for this match now and I'm, and I'm starting to prefer it over Lashley versus Drew because we have kind of seen, we did see Lashley versus Drew at some point last year. I think it was Backlash that they competed at and that was uh, almost a little under par from what we'd expect come come WrestleMania. So yeah, I'm all for uh, Lashley, Lashley Lesnar if it does happen. For me, uh, Drew's getting that title back at some point. He mm. will get it back. Does it have to happen now? No. Again, play no. the waiting game. It's coming back. Don't worry about it, Drew. Mm -hmm. It's coming back to you. Just wait. Yeah, Drew's got a lot. lot I got, I got a lot more left in him than I think Lashley does as well. Because I think Drew's like maybe nine, ten years younger yeah. than Lashley as well. And you know, Drew's been the most consistent aspect of Monday Night Raw for the best part of the last year. So there's, I don't think there's any doubt that Drew's going to stick around for a while and he will no doubt regain it. Maybe SummerSlam time, possibly? Yeah, I'd, I'd pin it on that. I'd, I'd stick it around SummerSlam. Um, again, great moment. And, and as maybe things start to hopefully return to normal around that time, that's mm -hmm. when you're getting those fans back in the stadiums, you're getting those fans back in the arenas, and Drew's going to get that natural reaction again, uh, which is going to be great for him. Quite right, yeah. And I think that's maybe what they're, they've decided to go with 
Whereas Lash and Lesnar, I think, you know, strike while the iron's hot. You know, it doesn't matter if you've got, you know, one fan, 10,000 or 100,000 fans. Just let's get the match done and let's get it, let's get it seen too. Do it. It's a spectacle. Do it. Yeah. Although one title that is more a bit up in the air as well is uh, the Raw Women's Championship, which has had a bit of a bit of a bumpy road to WrestleMania, shall we say, because... A little bit. Yeah, because Elimination Chamber, we were meant to see Asuka versus Lacey Evans, and now Lacey Evans has been written off for the foreseeable future because of real-life pregnancy. And But uh, Asuka is currently injured uh, on the on the bench at the minute after she got her, her tooth knocked out by Shayna Baszler last week. And there have been reports saying that she's also dealing with a possible concussion. So it's uh, the Raw Women's title match is almost in limbo at this stage, and the only credible challenger that's been put forward is Charlotte Flair. Uh, and at the moment, she is uh, penciled to face Asuka for the Raw Women's title at, at WrestleMania. But the one X factor that I can see standing out in this is someone who's been advertised since the Royal Rumble, and that's Rhea Ripley, who's also going to be coming to Raw. Would you, uh, I've asked some of the, the other guys this question last week, but... Would you rather see Asuka versus Charlotte or Asuka versus Rhea Ripley or even in a triple threat match if we're lucky? I want to see Asuka versus Rhea because I haven't. And Asuka versus Charlotte, it's, well, it's a rerun, isn't it, from a little while ago. There's history. There's a story to be told. Mm -hmm. I'd love to, oh, This story is so difficult because I'd love to see Asuka and Rhea Ripley. But mm -hmm. Rhea's like, so, going to be so fresh. To, to Raw at the time, just shucking her in the title picture, even though she's probably the only real contender. Mm -hmm. Again, it makes some yet little sense. So my, if I'm going to be a, a booker, my my brain says for Asuka and Charlotte, and I can see a full-on, because she's been bigging this up for a little bit now, as, as she's been talking with Rick, bringing the, the flair name out, being the dirtiest player in the game, she's, you know, it's going to be another heel turn. Mm -hmm. Asuka's going to beat her. And it's going to be another heel turn. And then you can insert Rhea Ripley, in, Rhea Ripley into that into that dynamic after that. Because she's kind of like straddling the the two, really. You know, she can go either mm -hmm. way with it. She can go heel or face. So I, I think, I, I think I'm going to go Asuka and Charlotte. As mm -hmm. much as I love Rhea to bits. I, I spoke to her just before what would have been WrestleMania last year. Mm -hmm. um, and she was obviously going to defend the NXT title. The first time an NXT title has been defended on WrestleMania. And she yep. was absolutely buzzing for it. She could not wait. And then obviously everything happened. Um, so for her to get on the WrestleMania card somehow would be brilliant. But I think I, I, I'm hoping Asuka's okay. And, and the, there is no concussion because that kick was brutal. But um, yeah, Asuka Charlotte for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Obviously, you know, it'd be safe booking on the part of, of WWE's sake. But it's not like Rhea Ripley's not a stranger to Monday Night Raw because she was sort totally. of intertwining between there and NXT whilst having the feud with Charlotte. So, I mean, it's, it's certainly possible, but she has spent a lot more time in NXT and might still not be as familiar with the, the sort of mainstream audience as opposed to, you know, uh, like diehard wrestling fans who watch NXT and like other, like NXT UK as well. You know, that's where we first saw her. So, again, all still a bit up in the air, but I suppose that adds to the excitement on the, the road to WrestleMania when it's often been been quite predictable. Yeah, hasn't this been like the first one for a little while? You can see a few matches knocking around, but it's so unpredictable right now. There's so much still in the air. I was mm. looking at a rumoured card the other day, and it was obviously one of those kind of like articles where somebody just put the matches that are guaranteed right now, and then oh, everything's TB, TBD, to be determined. 
Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we know that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's so it's so unpredictable right now, and I, I can't work out who's going to be be on there for say the tag titles or whatever. I just can't work it out. And it's mm-hmm. great. I like that. This is the first time I've, I've felt very excited. Mm. And the advantages as well, we've still got just over two months before WrestleMania happens, which is also mm. going to be a two-night event. So there's lots of lots of room to fill out on the cards. But I think they just wanted to get those main event matches nailed down. You know, obviously you've got Roman and Edge for the Universal title, which was announced at Elimination Chamber. And this past week on SmackDown as well, Bianca Belair has confirmed she'll be facing Sasha Banks. Like, how are you? How excited are you for that match? Very. Um, Sasha has been doing some of the best work of her career recently. Um, Bianca is such an unbelievable talent mm-hmm. and that is that is a match I can't even predict a winner I really can't that is so it's so hard to work it out Bianca has, has absolutely everything mm-hmm. and yeah, she's that will be a genuine star maker moment again after her rumble win mm-hmm. she I- is going to be great there but oh yeah inject that match love it yeah i mean if i could just take you back as well to to the 2020 royal rumble as well that sort of was her sort of main breakout moment you know because she got she started at number two got Mm. eight eliminations which still is the record for most in a single match by a female and she lasted best part of 35 minutes i mean she i think it's like she was almost built for the royal rumble match and you knew that after the 2020 one you knew that big things for her were coming her way but you know, it was sort of a stop-start at first because obviously, you know, when Raw was still being emanated from the Performance Center, she was sort of there or thereabouts, but never really sort of got her like her, her feet planted on Monday Night Raw after she was moved up from NXT. But then, yet when she comes over to SmackDown, you know, the, the sky's the limit for her. She's getting a lot more exposure, uh, you know, obviously with the feud with Bailey And the 2021 Royal Rumble performance is arguably one of the best from a, a female performer that we've seen so far yeah without a doubt i mean her performance in both the rumbles has been incredible and easily the highlight of the pair of them to be fair of those two when you think about those matches look at when she went over to smackdown though and the people she starts working with arguably the best in the women's division right now i mean asuka for me is still one that the, you know my my top worker but without a doubt sasha and bailey have just led that women's division so so well over the past year individually they work brilliantly and they're getting the best out of the people they're working with mm-hmm. yeah you know, bailey's been doing the best stuff of her career that since she went since she went and, and turned heel and, and cut the hair and got rid of the bailey buddies did everything her career just shot off it was brilliant the whole ding dong hello thing is great her character now interacting with with bianca that you know it works perfectly and then working with sasha these two it's, it's a battle of respect you know mm. this is going to be brilliant and again just look at the people you work with and when you work with great talent you can shine and you can yeah. shine really really well and that is exactly what bianca's doing definitely i mean i was a little bit skeptical going into the royal rumble as well because bianca uh, she was actually my second choice to win the rumble i actually had rhea ripley down i did too when, yeah i had rhea too. so i think it was a it was much more rewarding to sort of see her persevere you know last best part of an hour and actually go on to win the whole thing and so any doubt that we had about her was just completely wiped out from that from that win absolutely and she's 
just such a great athlete. She's brilliant in there. Her character's amazing. I love the fact that she does everything herself as well. Mm -hmm. You know, she makes all her own gear and all that kind of stuff. I love that. She is such a shining star and a great example of a, a, a person who's been pushed by the WWE and it's worked. And, you know, she's got real life relationship there. You've seen behind the scenes with the documentary and the pictures they put out. Mm -hmm. You know, they've peeled the curtain back and shown who she is. And that helps helps you get behind her. Yep. And that is is incredible. Much like they've done with Sasha as well. They, this one they set this up so well with Sasha on on the um, Steve Austin show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, if you haven't seen it, it's so good. Um, uh, and again, talking about her journey back, just great. And you know, there's big things mm. in in Bianca's future. And I think she's about the same age as Sasha as well, I believe, or is she just mm. like the older? I think she's about the same age yeah. roughly so, around there, isn't it? so yeah she's got years ahead of her and you know she i think she's going to be the the pair the one of the people that breaks the glass ceiling when it comes to the smackdown women's division she's going to be leading that division for years she's not just going to break it she's going to shatter it <laughs> yes absolutely i mean who else can you say how many other women do you know who could lift a 300 pound man on your shoulders and walk about 10 feet with him on your whilst carrying him it's absolutely crazy. I mean, again, this is from my fitness and my wrestling training background that I've had. I've watched the Combine. I don't know if you've seen that on, on the network or on YouTube, the Performance Center Combine. They're like five so, yeah. hours long. So like, seriously, they do get a bit deep. But she is a legit athlete. She is incredible. And, and you know, there was no... Otis would have posted for that. <laughs> he didn't need to. Because yeah. she can lift it. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's she is crazy. incredible. Mm -hmm. Well, talking about you know stars of tomorrow, uh, let's uh, let's uh, take it down a notch and go to more more towards the performance center. You know, as we were just talking about there. Yeah. The WWE's just released uh, a new list of performance center recruits for 2021. Now I'm going to rattle off some names here uh, because there's quite a lot to get through, but some that really stood out the most. Uh, we've got Eli Drake from TNA, who is now competing under the name LA Knight. We've seen him appear a couple of times on NXT already. Uh, we've got Taya Valkyrie. We have Zoe Stark, uh, Gigi Dolan, FKA Priscilla, Kesley, uh, Priscilla Kelly. Excuse me. We also have Cora Jade. All three of them were in the Women's Dusty Cup this year. Uh, but one name that really caught my attention, uh, Parker Baudreau, who, just looking at me, six foot four, 300 pounds, and he's already caught the attention of Paul Heyman on social media. Some are even comparing him, uh, much like Lashley, to Brock Lesnar. Like, how much do you know about Parker Baudreau and what do you think uh, could we expect from him? I know very little about him. I've tried to kind of like look into him a little bit more. I mean, the, the dude's a beast. There's absolutely no doubt about that. You can you know, look at the pictures and go, my word, that's a... That's a big man right there. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. he, but he, he, he kind of looks like Brock as well, which is a scary thing. Yeah, he, he, he really does. And I believe he's a former American footballer, isn't he? Another one that's transferred over. Yeah, he's a the gridiron. offensive lineman for the University of Central Florida. So he's powerful, he's fast, he's gonna, yeah, he's, he's gonna adapt very well to this. And it looks like, you know, American footballers do very well you know, crossing mm -hmm. over to professional wrestling. It, I believe even Marie's even been bigging him up as well, along with Paul Heyman. So there's been a lot of sort of hype around the guy. And 
if he lives up to it, then he's going to be one of those people that when, you know, they get back into arenas and in stadiums and stuff, he'll open eyes literally because people will be wide-eyed looking at this giant man throwing people around and that's what he will do. That's how they'll have him. He's going to be a, a, a guy who's going to chuck people about. There's no doubt. He, he, he looks the part. Haven't seen any in-ring work or anything, so that's still to be judged, I guess, but he really looks the part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and speaking of Brock Lesnar, you know, obviously he's a... Uh... He's a, a two-time All-American like sort of champion as well as his like Kurt Angle as well. Uh, but one name that uh, sticks out for that, who's also a two-time All-American heavyweight wrestler for how do you pre- uh, Oterbein University, yeah, number one seeded wrestler in the NCAA Division Three tournament, Drew Casper, uh, brother of Jacob Casper, who he's also been added to this uh, performance center recruit list. Now, I don't know much about him either, so we're getting a lot of new faces here and there about. But just to rattle off a few other names, uh, we've got a couple of wrestlers from Evolve. We've got uh, Anthony Henry, and we've also got uh, Avery Taylor. So a good mixture of talent from Evolve and some from the independent scene as well, such as uh, Christian Hubble. Uh, we've got Cameron Clay. And just to name a few others, we've also got uh, Christian Casanova. So what a great name, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So just uh, just to ask you, John, do any of these names that I've already mentioned stand out to you? Like, which of these names stand out to you the most, and who do you think is going to have the most impact? Uh, going back to a couple of ones you mentioned, Early Doors, uh, Zoe Stark, who I've watched on TV a couple of times now, uh, mm-hmm. she she looks great. Yeah, you know, she looks fantastic in there. She's the one with uh, that modified like go to sleep style finisher. Yeah, yeah, that, I, with I, the flip. Yeah, that's probably one of the best finishing moves I've seen in a while. That's, it looks brutal. It does, yeah. It looks brilliant. Um, and she looks fantastic. Uh, her, her coach, I know Beth Phoenix was talking about this, it was uh, Simbo D, uh, former Kizani. He was um, really bigging her up, saying that she was the you know, hardest worker in the room every time that she was in training. I think she's going to be big. Again, you know, what you're going to get out of um, the former Priscilla Kelly as well. I think, you know, she's a, she's a talent. She's going to do very well. Ty Valkyrie, we know all about. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd be yeah. interesting to see her, but I'm very excited to watch. Um... Am, I right? Am I right in saying Ty Valkyrie was in TNA? Yes, yeah, sure. It's uh, John Morrison's wife. Oh, of course she is. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's why it rings a bell. Yeah, yeah, she was in TNA. She just left um, Impact and TNA and uh, and obviously crossed over now. But yeah, it's John Morrison's wife, I think. She's going to uh, she's going to be good. Her character, you know, if she pulls up over as well, is going to be pretty cool. Uh, but I'm very excited to see... Um, Eli Drake, LA Knight, I think he's going to be a great star. I, I love watching him on uh, NWA Power. I thought he was great on that. And obviously, I know he was in Impact. He was a former Impact champion. His character is brilliant. I love it. And I think he's going to be the one that instantly stands out from that class mm-hmm. right there. Those that have just come in now, he's going to be the big man. Yeah, he's already cutting some great promos on NXT. You know, we saw him on TakeOver and he's doing a lot of segments with some of the, the commentators and the backstage interviewers. So he's definitely going to cut some amazing promos. I, I just can't wait to see him in, in an NXT ring. I think he's going to be be really, really great. One more name I just want to rattle off. Uh, Bronson Recksteiner. Yes. Son of, son of, uh, son of Recksteiner. So we've got another, yeah. we've got another uh, second generation superstar here. Uh, Billy built at six foot and 230 pounds and was an all-American running back at Kennesaw State. So it's another football player, kind of like Parker Baudreau. Following in his dad's footsteps as well, you know, for another mm-hmm. former all-American footballer. 
brilliant. Um, I believe he's good. I, again, I've not seen much about him, but I believe he's good. And he's obviously got the the genetics and the he, he'll have had the uh, sort of the, the experience growing up alongside his dad. Um, and again, looking forward to seeing what he can do. And it, it's great that you know the next generation like that are coming through. And it's it's brilliant that. Yeah, that they've wanted to take the industry on, much like Dominic Mysterio did as well. I mean, he he really surprised me. Yeah, he was great. I mean, maybe this guy could do the same. I mean, he, Dominic, I believe, went to Lance Storm's uh, wrestling school as well. And I'm pretty sure, just going through the the information here, I'm pretty sure a couple of these uh, recruits have actually trained under Lance Storm as well. So I think we're in for some uh, some really top level recruits. Yeah, uh, Lance's school in. was one of the one of the best. Uh, with the best reputation so yeah if you've uh, been there oh it was actually Taya valkyrie that trained under lance storm oh yeah of course, of course yeah that, that makes sense um yeah if you've gone to lance's school you've definitely got a great reputation how do you you know you, you, uh, to go with it's it's brilliant his school was very very well renowned I mean, he, I mean, sure he did okay on monday night raw when he was around you know as an active performer but as a teacher he's obviously very very good yeah, a man who know, he knows the business inside out, and like I said, when he was on, yeah, you know, on Raw, he was great. He was fine. There was, you know, wasn't tearing up any trees, but he did the business. And you get people like that who are really good at teaching it mm-hmm. as well. I mean, there's um, uh, who, who's got the school now? Is it um, Tyler Breeze? Yes, and uh, and Sean Spears. They've got flatbacks. Which uh, I know has got a great reputation as well, and and um, and Seth's running his as well with uh, with Merritt Brave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they regularly teach there. You you you're learning from the best in the business. Mm-hmm. Like s- some folk are just like better teachers than they are like performers, if that makes sense. Not yeah. to say that they're bad wrestlers, but obviously WWE is a, a whole different environment because there's a like an aura of you know soap opera of stage. Uh, lights, camera, action, rather than just, you know, competing in a, a high school gym or like Olympic style wrestling, there's a, there's a whole different element to it. And then sometimes that can throw people off. But when it comes to just teaching pure mat wrestling, you know, there are just some people who are head and shoulders above the rest. Hey, look who they got on the PC, you know, Robbie Brookside, mm-hmm. uh, yep. an A-Train, you know, and he, he, sorry, his name was escaping me for a minute. So that's <laughs> why I just referred... Yeah, that's Matt Bloom. That's a yeah. That's why I refer to him as Adrian. Even, even William but, Eagle as well. He takes on a bit yeah. of a, a coaching role as well. Exactly, and then you've got Shawn Michaels in there as well, doing stuff. Mm-hmm. There, there's there's people who've got wealth of experience, and, and Robbie Brookside, he, he he would never have made it on WWE TV properly. Mm-hmm. But the guy's great. He's an incredible wrestler, and he's got all the knowledge. So he's going to impart that on every single person in those classes. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. I, and obviously his daughter Zaya is on NXT UK, yeah. and we'll 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 get to her in just a bit. But um, just to sort of move it away from the the performance center, I want to talk about uh, WWE's recent uh, ratings at the minute. Now, mm. obviously, you know we can bash uh, Raw and stuff for having you know continuous sinking ratings, but I think that's it. Turns out, you know, that seemed a bit of a, a bit of a tunnel vision because according to an article from Michael Morales and Miguel Perez from Lucha Libre Online. Raw is actually, well, WWE in general is actually pulling in massive ratings from all across the world. Like in, in India, you know, Raw was drawing up to 4 million viewers, SmackDown 3 million, and NXT was even breaking the million viewer uh, barrier. Now, some of the other statistics they've uh, they've come up with, uh, or they sort of published, is that it's uh, the average viewership for WWE programming is 5.9 million viewers worldwide in January 2021, and that's across from 
uh, India, Germany, Canada, South Africa, Italy, uh, among other countries. Uh, even South Korea pulled in 5.2 million viewers themselves. So approximately that's 7.2 million viewers per week in the USA and all the other aforementioned countries. Like, how does that put things into perspective? Like when you see, you know, Raw drawing in two million, less than two million viewers in, in less in like in the USA, but it seems to be doing brilliantly on a on a worldwide scale. And worldwide, as a worldwide product, it is huge. And you look at all the countries that are absolutely salivating over it; they really want to see it. Mm -hmm. They don't get it week in week out in their country. They don't like that's how it used to be with the Europe and the UK tours. Because they were only here twice a year, they sold out like that. Mm -hmm. They yeah. want to see it, so they're going to watch it. You know, the demand is still there for 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 the product in India, in other countries, because they don't have it week in week out in in front of their face. Mm -hmm. If you know what I mean. Yeah, it's not there. It's abroad. It's somewhere else, and they're not kind of. I don't think their fandom is probably as massively engaged like some of the fandom in the States, where the fans in India or Austria or wherever, they're not going to be logging onto forums every two minutes. They're just going to watch the show. Mm -hmm. So they're not going to care about all the ratings wars and the backstage nonsense that people report on. They don't care. They just want to see the product. They want to watch Monday Night Raw. Yeah, they want to, they want to see what, what happens. It is, yeah. And that's all that, that they're going to be bothered about. They just want the product. They just Whereas, want to be entertained. Yeah, exactly. They just want to be entertained. And it's still entertaining. It's still a show that works. They still want that product in other countries. The audience still love it. They're not going to turn off it. They're lifelong fans. They're not going to go, oh, well... Oh, I'll go and watch. I'll go and watch AEW. Oh wait a minute, that's not on on the channel here. I'm gonna have to go and track that down on the. I can't be bothered. I watch Raw. Mm -hmm. So that they're, they're doing it because I mean I don't know about AEW's Indian TV deal or the Rust mm. Austrian, Australian, <laughs> Italian, French. I don't know. I don't know what TV deals they they have everywhere else. But I suspect it's not as widely available as WWE. I mean, AEW is still only just like over a year old, and like with Dynamite and stuff. And I don't imagine they've had the time to sort of negotiate, you know, worldwide TV deals with other countries. I think they're they're solely in the USA and Canada, and even in the UK to an extent as well on like ITV2. I, I still record it every every week and stuff to make sure that you know I can still get my daily dose. Yeah. Of, and the dose. the international audience, they just adore that product so as, again like i said they, they they're not into the intricacies they need to be they just watch it mm -hmm. and they love it and they'll watch it in those numbers because they want to see what happens it's a different thing isn't it and, and again these people are known to the international audience the stars are known to them so if they inject something new from somewhere else it's going to take a long time to grow so these figures are going to hold and if they are really doing those numbers, like they're doing the big numbers online, mm -hmm. then they can still command huge TV deals and huge sponsorship deals all across the world. Yeah. And fair play to them. And in, in some cases as well, like some of these countries' populations, they absolutely dwarf 
the populations of like the United States and of Europe and stuff like India for in particular. It's it's the second most populated country in the world, and WWE's potentially launching NXT India, given that they had the superstar spectacle, you know, at the start of the the start of the year. Think about if they took that superstar spectacle, if the pandemic wasn't here. Mm-hmm. Take the pandemic out of it. Once once we're finally, hopefully, out of all this and they can travel again, that show in India will sell out in about three seconds. Yeah. It'll yeah. fly and they will make a whole pile of cash and the mm-hmm. Indian audience will love it. They'll go to Australia. They'll do another show. It'll sell out like that. They will love it. Yep. They'll come back to Europe. They will love it because it'll fly out again. And especially, I think, over here now, and the, the fact that we we want to see things like this live again, the desire is going to be there to buy tickets. Mm-hmm. That you know, Having those numbers just backs up everything they can do, and fair play to them. Yep. And, you know, as we've seen in the UK as well, there's a, there's always a massive appeal to sort of families with kids and stuff. Like WWE is meant to be a family-friendly product and that's what's going to draw in, you know, ticket sales and stuff because it's meant to be, you know, a family-friendly style event but yeah. with a little bit of edginess to it. And I think it's sort of... It al- do you think it always seems to be like the, you know, the diehard fans, that the ones that are always complaining about, you know, failing, failing viewership figures and stuff with, with Monday Night Raw? Uh, it, mo- it probably will be the diehard ones that'll do that because the casual viewer doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Again, the casual viewer is, isn't bothered about it, whether it pulled a, you know, four point two rating or whatever it's going to be. They're, they ain't fussed about that. But us as fans, us as mega fans who've been watching it for forever, we want to see the great product. Mm-hmm. And when it's not up to our, I think it's because we hold it up to our high standards of, of what yeah. we've seen in the past. And especially if you grew up during like the Attitude Era when things were just off the scale and the, you know, all the parties and, and things that people Aye. were having at the time, you hold it up to that high standard. And if it doesn't hit that in your mind, then you're like, oh, I'm, you know, uh-huh. I don't uh, care. And that was a time, you know, you know, things were a little bit more chaotic and stuff and a little less. Uh, Shall we say a little less politically correct? You know everything. Yeah. You know it was a it was a lot more you know sex, drugs, violence, and stuff. Whereas this, it's you know times have changed. You know? It's like with football, though, isn't it? You take football for an example. You're you know whoever you support, and if your team has had amazing success over a certain period of time, you always hold your team up to that success. Mm-hmm. And if it's not going well, you're going to start complaining at the board, the manager, and everyone else because you're annoyed that your team isn't that successful. Yeah. And it's the same I think with rest yeah, you know, with wrestling fans because we want we want the product to be great. It's not that we hate one over the other. We want the product to be great. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't live up to our standards, then we're not happy about it. Yeah. Uh, and just one last thing uh, about the the ratings thing. I'm reminded of that live event they did in India as well, where I think it was Triple H versus Jinder Mahal. It was originally scheduled meant to be for two nights, uh, but then it was cut down to just one because apparently ticket sales were pretty poor and the advertised main event was Triple H versus Jinder. Like, do you think that sort of indicates, you know, that, you know, people want to see specific stars rather than uh, just like, you know, all these up and coming people that WWE seem to be you know, investing so much in. And do you think that's actually going to have an impact on the overall uh, viewership ratings? You know, when this worldwide audience is accustomed to seeing just megastars all the time, do you think that that those winds of change might actually hinder viewing figures at all? It's that whole thing, isn't it? Where, you know, the familiarity 
of these people, mm-hmm. of these stars, to an international audience needs to be high all the time. So if yeah, Triple H and Jinder Mahal isn't uh, a match that they probably got excited about. Triple H versus Kane, they could have got giddy about. Yep. Triple H versus The Undertaker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which Super well, Showdown got as well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, those kind of things, those mega matches, because they want to see the superstars, mm-hmm. which is absolutely legit of a reason to want to go to a show. Because the, you know, the WWE won't go to international territories on a regular basis. They don't go there every month. They go there twice a year, once a year at best in some places. So if you're going to see this the only time that year, you want to see everything. I want Brock Lesnar. I want Triple H. I want The Undertaker. Yeah, I want the stars that I really want to see. And if I'm not getting them and I'm getting whoever, Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not bothered about going, which is also another reason why the, the, you know they need to be very focused on creating these stars and making them a big name, and you know having stars with such great worldwide appeal. Yeah, and that yeah it, that again we're going down another road there, but mm-hmm. it's it's another reason why it's so important not just to to hang on to that past. Like again, you know the football analogy, we, we all hang on to the past, don't we? You know past successes, yeah. but the future is going to happen you've got to make it happen and you know they can't hold on to the undertaker forever (laughs) you know yeah he's gone now he's he's not there anymore i know he's retired for like the fourth time now and yeah Yeah. we still just some people just can't quite let go of him i mean like that's you can't hold on to him forever because he's not going to be there forever and and I think that's why they need to be really conscious of making sure that the international audience is massively served as they are, but also served with great new content, which they can get very excited about and keep on that level. So when they do get to go back, they're going to make stacks of cash with that talent. Yeah, I think one person in particular that, you know, they've sort of transformed into the next face of the company is, uh, as for mentioned, Drew McIntyre. You know, Totally. With his, you know, his majorly successful year last year and him virtually carrying the entire company in in the middle of a pandemic i think it's a testament you know to how dedicated he is and that's gonna i imagine that's gonna be reflected heavily not just within a british audience in particular because you know some there are some like families you know even within even within our own podcast who absolutely scream and shout at the, the opportunity to see drew compete and you know just take somebody's head off with a claymore yeah i mean that's it they've made drew into a, a big time star now mm-hmm. and he was you know the top of the company he was doing all the promotions he was doing everything and and that's what you want out of your top star mm-hmm. someone who can do things like that like, you know that's probably why the, the Miz don't get enough as as much respect as he probably should have done you know that that guy's out there making reality tv shows he's making movies for them mm-hmm. he's for, for a week at the top of the company again Aye. but he he does it all and he's a he's a star you know the, the Miz is a star and it, it's people like that who have really led the company through this year and, and they're the ones that are going to continue to be recognized mm. yeah i think a lot of people with when it comes to the miz i reckon you know i think he he his character the miz and obviously mike mizanin who we see more of on miz and misses which is just announced new episodes coming out after wrestlemania i think it's sort of difficult to sort of blur like sort of blur the lines between the miz and mike mizanin 
almost because he's a fantastic character. Maybe his ring work's not the best on the roster, but he's a very reliable person when it comes to doing media outlets and sort of playing the villain, as it were. Whereas Drew, he seems to have that presence where, you know, he could portray the hero or the villain, you know, he's because he's done both brilliantly. Yeah, absolutely. He can he can flip between the two sides of the spectrum on uh, of heel and face and, and do it very, very well. And yeah, you because know, he's he's a big lad. He's a monster. Yeah, I've monster seen him, heel, the Scottish psychopath kind of thing. That yeah. whole character. I've seen him and, live. I've seen him live a couple of times at ICW events, and he is a big guy. Oh, it's a unit, isn't he? <laughs> There's no <laughs> doubt yeah. about that. Yeah, and, and it's it, it, people like that who can really carry the company. Yeah, and, and when a heel can carry the company as well. You know, if if he flipped as as champion, it, it's great. And again, you look at like Randy Orton. Randy Orton just. He's again doing some brilliant work right now. Yeah, such a great talent, and and getting across on social as well. <laughs> but it, it's it's brilliant. These people are at the top, and they yeah, those are the ones that yeah, in Sasha audiences want to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's uh, we'll, we'll move on now from ratings, and we'll move on to awards now. So everyone's favorite uh, critic, Mr. Meltzer, has released the 2020 Wrestling Observer Awards. Now, I only found this out a couple of days ago, but apparently these awards are actually based on fan votes. And yeah. you know, I, I thought this was just purely one man's judgment, but, you know, color me stupid. Uh, so I'm just gonna, now, I won't go into too much detail on this because uh, the GOAT David Campbell and Ross McLeod of this podcast cover this list in a bit more detail uh, on the Conspiracy Theory Show, which you can find on our YouTube channel. Just search Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet on YouTube and you can find the latest Conspiracy Theory episode where they discuss this list in, in full. But, John, what I'm going to do with this is I'm going to sort of fire off uh, some some of these awards and I just want to get like an immediate reaction. Do you think, is it... Was that the right call, or do you think you know they've been they've been a bit harsh with this this listing? And a couple that sort of stuck out to me was uh, rest, well, obviously wrestler of the year John Moxley and female wrestler of the year Bailey. Like, what, what's your immediate response to that? Bailey, yep, brilliant female wrestler of the year. I'd I'd go with Bailey. Mm-hmm. Um, with Mox, and I've I've said this to friends before. I and again, even when he was. With yeah, with Dean Ambrose when he was Dean Ambrose in WWE, I, I didn't, I didn't really get it. I, I didn't really take to him. Mm. Um, male wrestler of the year, not for me. No, I would have gone for male wrestler of the year. I just said Drew, personally. Off his, you know, off everything he's done, definitely. Um, Drew should definitely be up there. Uh, I'd, I'd give it that. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's hard to kind of pick one, really. You know, there's been because there's been some great. Great singles match in AEW. I think uh, you know Kenny Omega's done some great stuff in in AEW and crossing yep. over to Impact. He got most um, outstanding wrestler of the year. I I love watching Omega. I really really do. Um, I think he's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I, w- I was happy when he he dethroned Moxley mm-hmm. because I just I just don't get it. I just I really don't get the appeal. Uh, that's, okay. that's just me though I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I think I think he's a, a very interesting talent he could do different things but I just don't it's not clicked with me and again maybe it's just me but he really hasn't clicked with me at all yeah that's alright maybe do you think the spectre of Dean Ambrose is still lurking around because of it maybe a little bit mm-hmm. um, 
Uh, d- yeah, uh, there's just that I think yeah where he is right now with in AEW, I think he's he's in the right place not to have the title. Mm-hmm. I think he held it too long. Yeah, um, fair enough. Yeah, but because he also yeah, got... it, it, again it just I, I, it just not for me. Uh, he, but he also got feud of the year with Eddie Kingston. Now Eddie Kingston is has also been listed as best on interviews. Do you think that's what sort of helped make this a really really good feud? Yeah, give Eddie Kingston a microphone. He's one of the best in the business. Uh, again, another one I caught a lot of in his NWA power run. Uh, he yes. was in there for a little bit, and uh, he was great. And and obviously they've got a, you know they had that sort of real life situation between the pair of them. I I loved that little feud, and I genuinely I actually thought they were gonna they were gonna flip the title to him for a bit. I, I didn't think he was gonna hold it for very long, but I thought they were gonna give it to him. And he didn't get it. And I was, again, slightly good because I really like Eddie Kingston. I think he's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, just moving on now to best and worst matches of the year. So match of the year, you sort of briefly mentioned Kenny Omega. Well, Kenny Omega's also got match of the year with Hangman Page versus the Young Bucks for the AEW tag titles at Revolution. Now, I believe Meltzer gave this 5.25 stars and Revolution was arguably the best event that AEW's put on in 2020. Like, do you think that's a, a fair fair suggestion for match of the year and if so were there any WWE matches that could have potentially fit that bill it was a great match that to be honest that was Mm -hmm. a brilliant match and yeah everyone worked so well together in that it it was just it was brilliant Um, some of the WWE ones uh, there's not not anything that massively sticks I think Bailey and Sasha in the Hell in the Cell was good Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really like like that they worked very well together what about um, Roman, Roman versus Jay in Hell in a Cell? That was a real, like, that really tugged at your heartstrings, that one. Yeah, I, I'll be honest, I preferred Sasha and Bailey, but it did work. I think storyline-wise, it did work. Mm-hmm. Yep, um, enough. I enjoyed that. Um, some of the stuff recently, well, it's obviously not in the past year, but there's been some good stuff recently on SmackDown with Cesaro and Daniel Bryan and, and, and whatnot. But yeah, I think... I think that was the right call for the match. That was a very, very, very solid match. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, but unfortunately, there seems to be a running trend for the uh, awards this year. I mean, poor, poor Bray Wyatt is getting uh, <laughs> getting a lot of really bad awards this year because he's picked up worst feud of the year with his feud with Braun Strowman. They got the worst match of the year in the Wyatt Swamp fight. He's also been rated as the most overrated superstar of the year. And he's even, and the fiend has been given the worst gimmick. Now, this actually made me quite, quite annoyed because, I mean, I know the fiends has been a bit of a slump lately, you know, with his booking and stuff, and it hasn't been the same since Goldberg last year. But he is by no means the worst gimmick of the year. Yeah. I mean, have, I mean, have they even seen Retribution? <laughs> yeah. Oh God, jeez, I tried to forget about them. Um, I mean, that is that that is such a disaster. Retribution, my word. Like, and apparently, according to the votes, Retribution was second for no. gimmick. Like, oh, people actually word. thought people actually thought the Fiend was worse than Retribution. I think it's probably because like the Fiend has has got so much hype there, and there's everything about him that should be right at the top of the card every time and doing amazing things and having great matches with people but it's just not happened Mm -hmm. and that's down a lot to the booking and uh, yeah this stuff with randy should turn out 
very well i i'm hoping i assume that's where they're going for wrestlemania but um yeah i i mean the fiend's not had like the worst year he's not the worst character i'm still drawn into what they're doing like dragging alexa bliss into this mm-hmm. has totally lit a fire under alexa and turned her into a, a real star um like one of those and- like demon children from horror films <laughs> Yeah, it's unbelievable the, the the work that they're doing. I know they've kind of gone down the Papa Shango right now, but <laughs> it's it's so good. I mean, I even kind of enjoyed the you know the the, the Funhouse match with Cena. Oh yeah, that was hilarious. I, that I, was nuts. It was think, so funny, but I, I think it because, worked. I think it was entertaining because of all the the inside jokes and references. You know, yeah. like Vince saying like, "Oh, that's such good shit," and you know, Cena yeah. coming out wearing the the NWO t shirt, and you know, sort of even going back to his original wrestling gear. There was a lot of like inside jokes. I think that's what made it entertaining. It worked perfectly, and and again, it worked with the the characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We didn't we we didn't need to see the fiend doing every single move that he would do in a match for that we didn't need it 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 worked because of what it was but that worked to the fiend's character and I, yeah he's he's not the worst gimmick of the year mm-hmm. no yeah. not having that i but there is a a, a a a definite overall trend with these awards which i'll get to in a second but one more of the award i just want to sort of briefly mention and i'm always keen to see you know what it what this uh nomination goes to every year and it's the most disgusting promotional tactic of the year and wwe seems to have a running trend with always seem to be getting this particular uh award shall we say uh because i remember 2010 they got it for the stand up for wwe campaign which coincided with linda mcmahon's senate run yeah uh, i think in 2015 as well they had uh page mentioning reed flair in a promo involving charlotte which was right it got taken very very poor taste but this year they've done it again so the most disgusting promotional tactic of the year was wwe firing employees during a pandemic when they were setting record profits i and i remember we on the pod did actually a special uh podcast on this particular incident and i think quite a few of us were up in arms about it because you know there was a ton of employees had to be let go as a matter of uh, being furloughed or cutting costs etc but yet they were still making like record profits i i, I think, think it's because they came out and said it straight away after that was mm. the problem they were like they went on the conference call and they were like yeah we've just made a ton of money we made a ton of money and yet we've just released all these people like i think it's to an extent it was uh, this award is justified but i think i can't help but feel a little bit of just trying to be sort of thinking it from the from from a business perspective especially when you know a pandemic's just hit and you know they might they're going to lose a lot in like ticket revenue and stuff because they won't be able to do live events but at the same time you know this is supposed to be a time where companies are meant to be supporting their employees as much as they can and yet instead of just trying to you know keep them on furlough you know keep them with a steady income which wwe shouldn't like have too much difficulty doing it's it is pretty horrible just to just let them go or furlough them. It was not a good look, was it? Let's face no. it. Um, it was a really, really bad thing and a very ill-thought-out procedure that just should not have happened. And it's yeah, very much probably a justified award, that, to be fair. that It's 
it's just something that shouldn't have happened. They, you know, I know a lot of companies panicked, but you know, they're a global juggernaut. They they didn't need to do what they did. You know, mm. they really didn't. And you you've got to feel sorry for the people who got let go. And it's just not a good look. It really wasn't. I mean, at least they're consistent in that category, I guess. That's yeah, one thing. That is, that is something, yeah. It's a plus point. <laughs> but the overall trend I've noticed with this is that it's very pro-AEW and very anti-WWE because AEW gets best promotion of the year, WWE gets worst. And all these awards are either AEW or WWE, and it's all fan based on fan votes like what do you think that says about this uh this list of awards do you think there's actually any credibility behind it anymore or do you think it should be down to uh like an independent body that assigns these awards yeah i mean like if they've been voted online and it wasn't just the observer members or anything like that if it was just like an open vote anybody can skew a online poll as we've seen a million and one times yeah it's like right quick quick quick, vote for this vote for this vote for this everyone do it pile on pile on and then all of a sudden you've you know if somebody doesn't react to it off one of the sides then you've had it you know it's Mm. it's so easily done so i i think even though you know with the reputation of the observer over the years there's something there but i'm i'm pretty sure vince isn't sat in his office going ah oh, damn it i can't believe we've lost this again <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure yeah. he's not sitting there fuming but yeah i think if anybody wants to take this uh with any credibility you know and you'll have like an independent like panel of mm. uh, members and stuff you know selecting this if they were going to do a like a survey based on this and as somebody who's done two university degrees with a statistics background like the first rule of doing surveys is that you need to have not just a, a big sample of people, but you want an unbiased sample of people. You totally. know, some that are not too not too affiliated with one particular promotion or the other. You need something that's like a general consensus of uh, of wrestling fans. Like you do that with the U.S. elections all the time. You're gonna have a good mix of yeah. Democrats, Republicans, and Independents, and that's how you get fairly accurate polling numbers, uh, like being reported on media outlets. But this. This just seems like they just uh, caught the attention of all the AEW diehard fans and they're saying, let's make sure AEW gets as many awards as possible and that WWE you know, goes down the toilet for it. And hey, fair yeah, fair play to the fans for going in on that. You know, if they want to do it, they, they do it. They're supporting what they love. Yeah. And I think any fan has the right to support exactly what they love and, and, and do that. Mm. But well, I, when you oh, sorry, kind of put in these awards... I stand corrected here. Um, it wasn't all EW, WWE. Uh, technical Wrestler of the Year went to Zack Sabre Jr. Oh, okay. Fair play. So mm-hmm. there, there was one that wasn't... There's was one that escaped. <laughs> one yep. that escaped <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's a strange one. I think, like, maybe they should change it for next year. Maybe... Maybe randomly choose members of of the observer any the subscribers mm-hmm. and choose a panel but it's very you know it's very random it's totally you know it's done just by a computer selection and then have a couple of the writers and then you've got you know you've got a good cross section of fans and people who are industry professionals should we say yeah and journalists as well and journalists as well 
throw them in there, invite them along to do it, um, and you've got a, a much more unbiased mm-hmm. thing instead of just opening it up to everybody, and and you get that. It's like it's like the other day there was a, a, a poll about Premier League football footballers, the best striker in the Premier League. You know, is it Sergio Aguero? I was like, um, well, mm-hmm. what about this? And then it all kicks off. Or, or what about Harry Kane? That kind of thing. Exactly. It, it's all those things. It, it, because you'll get Tottenham fans piling on for Harry Kane. You'll get Liverpool fans piling on for uh, Robbie Fowler from back in the day. You'll get <laughs> City fans piling on for Aguero and United fans piling on for Cantona. And and that's exactly how it's going to work because everyone's got that biased view. So if you get a nice cross section, you invite them randomly, anonymously. You know, they can do it anonymously. It's it's it'll work better. And again, get the journalists involved. Mm-hmm. I've seen other other writers have done it, inviting various journals around. And that, I yeah. think that works better. Aye. Uh, well, it wasn't a complete whitewash for WWE. They did get some positive uh, rewards because obviously, as for mentioned, uh, Bailey gets Female Wrestler of the Year. Uh, Ricochet got Most Underrated, and Rookie of the Year, believe it or not, went to Pat McAfee. Oh well, do you know what? He's he was fairly impressive in his uh, in his few outings yeah I mean he's, and, he's probably the most annoying person like I've seen on podcasting or NXT but my god <laughs> the guy can actually put on a half decent match but doesn't he annoy you though that's the yeah. thing he's such a great heel and he annoys you and, and he does annoy he me can, like massively he can do it but again he's he's an athlete and I think translating his natural athletic ability into what you know what you can do in the ring he picked it up real quick he got to work with Adam Cole, who is very, very good. Um, and that that don't, just... Don't talk, genuine... Adam, don't talk to me about Adam Cole. Oh, the one's heart. broke my heart. Seriously. My heart, no, my, my heart's aching because of it. Yeah, it's it's upsetting me. Um, but, he, you know, interacting with, with Cole in that and, and having him as an opponent, you know, made him shine even more. And then the, the rub he's getting working with, uh, with Pete Dunne, um, the man who is ultimately jacked right now, um, yeah, yeah, uh, that transformation picture, my word. Um, and, and, and working with uh, with Danny Burch and Oni Orkin, that faction worked quite nicely. Mm-hmm. And McAfee got over, and I'm sure when he comes back, he's going to do the same thing again. And he'll go out there and shock a few people, and then he'll disappear and come back and do the whole thing again. Mm-hmm. I think that works well. You know, Pat's sort of one of those people who is good in he's good in like like period like periodic segments you know he's not a guy you want to put up with week in week out kind of like the Miz but because he's that because he's got he's obviously got other ventures as well he does his podcast as you say and he's not he's not a fully trained wrestler I don't believe but you know the guy can is an is excellent at cutting heel promos and people outside wrestling Mm. are fans of him and are he's aware got, of him and then they go what he's in NXT oh I'll watch that because he used to be an NFL player he's got a massive yeah. NFL following huge fan base and they'll go wait a minute I'll go and watch that and then they'll go and watch it and then the, the, the eyes are on the prize again mm-hmm. it's much like the whole Bad Bunny situation which I, you know a lot of my friends have had a pop at um, you know some people some of my friends weren't aware of him they've got a man who is the most streamed artist in the world in 2020 Bad Bunny he's, yeah, he's already sold them a ton of merchandise. He has got eyes on that show. He's got eyes on WWE from completely mm-hmm. different demographics all over the world now watching that because Bad Bunny's on that show. He carries the 24-7 title onto Saturday Night Live. Yep. 
Pat McAfee goes onto his show and he's doing promos with Adam Cole and Triple H and he's dragging people in from different places. That is why, again, it's that smarts of getting someone like that in. And and every time they've done it, it seems to work out. Yep. Well, so that's the, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Awards for 2020. Let's hope, or, yeah, 2020. Let's see if uh, this year is uh, more in WWE's favor and if hopefully we'll get a bit more bit more of a balance between WWE and AEW. But um, let's move now to AEW. So given that they've swept most of the, the board at the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, uh, this week in AEW, because at time of recording, uh, we can only pick up from last week's show. Uh, but this, the, the show that's aired uh, tonight is going to be the go-home show for Revolution. And Kenny Omega versus John Moxley, an exploding barbed wire death match, uh, which, you know, we discussed this on last week's Central, and I think it certainly got the the conversation flowing, and I think we're all excited to see some explosions. But um, one match in particular that's going to be taking place on Dynamite tonight is the final of the AEW Women's Eliminator Tournament. Now, yeah. spoiler alert for those that haven't seen the second semi-final of the American side, we're going to give you three seconds to turn off now in case you haven't watched it yet. Three two, one. So the final is going to be Nyla Rose from the American side versus Ryo Mizunami from the Japanese side. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, so John, obviously AEW's women's division isn't great at the minute, but it seemed, do you think we might be heading back to uh, Hikaru Shida versus Nyla Rose? Or do you think AEW might take a chance with Ryo Mizunami? Nah, there's Nyla. Nyla's winning this all day long. All day long. Because they seem to be having trying to have some connection with like New Japan stars and other Japanese wrestlers, but it's this this cross brand sort of tournament. It does seem to be sort of trying to. Do you think it's a bridge too far for AEW at this stage? Um, I, I like that they've done it. I think it's, I, I love this this whole cross promotion stuff. You know, got working with Impact and JPW. Yeah, it's, it's great. Uh, and you know the. The walls have been broken, and 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 that's cool. Mm-hmm. But again, I think like when the, as they're trying to build their predominantly American audience, they're again building stars. They want to make sure that they continue to build the stars that they have, mm-hmm. instead of borrowing them from other promotions and bringing them in, and then having to implement them as their champion or as a winner of their tournament. And it's it's like having a player on loan, isn't it? For a little bit. Yeah, they yeah. could be a superstar for you. But in six months' time, in six weeks' time, they're gone. And then they're not coming back for another two, three months or whatever. Exactly, yeah. But, so uh, I think, you know, as a, a shining moment for, for, for NJPW and having their talent there, brilliant. But they're going to go with Nyla. Hmm. Yeah, that, that would definitely be the, the safety option. But it, in some cases, this AEW New Japan sort of crossover has actually worked because obviously uh, this week Mo- we had Moxley versus Kenta for the New Japan United States Championship. Uh, Moxley got the win over Kenta. So you almost forget, you know, even though John Moxley is a former AEW champion, he actually still is the current New Japan US champion. Yeah. So he he's a busy man at the minute, and not to mention, you know, he's got a he's got a child on the way as well within the next couple of months. I've been listening to to Renee Renee Paquette's uh, oral sessions podcast whilst yeah, so I've been good. 
working from home and she's actually she talks a lot of really good stories you know it finds out a bit more about moxley as a, as a human being rather than just you know the the performer so that's what i'm more interested in actually with moxley i'm more interested in him as a person mm-hmm. than you know the actual character in ring you know i only found out this week that he's actually a massive fan of of jack daniels yeah yeah it's crazy isn't it yeah, because they were. T- she was. Renee was talking whiskey with Shayna Baszler. Uh, apparently, Shayna's a massive whiskey fan. And yeah, Renee said, you know, all that John ever drinks is Jack Daniels. He won't even touch another whiskey. <laughs> if you like it, you like it. You know, <laughs> you stick uh, with it, don't you? <laughs> but yeah, on the subject of New Japan, uh, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet has released a new episode of East Meets West with Scott McLeod and Grant McRobbie, which has uh, come out on as this week which has come out this week so if you want to listen to the next Eat Speeds Wedge you can catch it on our back catalogue Spotify, iTunes, Anchor and all good Android podcasting sites where Scott and Grant will give you the latest rundown of what's going on in New Japan so we'll move into our last section now because I know we're we're getting a bit uh, short of time here but I want to just on that as well oh, yes, more Kenta more Kenta oh yeah more I, Kenta I, I absolutely love that guy I was I was yeah really disappointed that he didn't get to do what uh, as much as he should have done in NXT or WWE, mm. but I, uh, he's such a talent, and more of him on TV. Yeah, That'd be brilliant. He was he had a very unfortunate run on NXT, but yeah. I think he finally sort of regained his composure and has now got a new lease on life. Yeah, um, without doubt, as, as Kenta. So we'll jump ship now to the other side of the Wednesday Night Wars. Well, I say Wednesday Night Wars now, but that might not be the case mm. uh, in a few, like maybe not for as long as we think, because. On NXT, there have been spe- there has been speculation going around that NXT could be potentially moving to Tuesday nights. Yeah. Now this is largely because uh, NXT's contract with the USA Network expires in October this year, so we've still got at least maybe six months or so. But uh, obviously, because the deal was announced August 2019 and it would start from October 2019, that would have been two years now that NXT will be on the USA Network. Uh, many believe this decision is actually, and this is from Bleacher Report, uh, many believe say that the decision was made with AEW in mind since the promotion has already stacked out Wednesday night to debut its own weekly program. Uh, now despite NXT and AEW both getting good ratings, I think uh, this uh, NXT's kind of been a it's been a bit more low-key compared to previous years, like not even like Charlotte Flair or Finn Balor could provide, you know, regular momentum uh, with this show so it's uh do you think this move's gonna be uh, a better decision for nxt it might give it a little bit of lease of life i think the the bad thing about it is you know everyone will be able to see that it's going to be a contractual situation mm-hmm. but the, the story will be oh they're just running scared of AEW, mm. and that's what it that's the only story that'll come out of the back of it now whether that'll harm them a little bit or not i don't know but it's yeah. I mean, if look, if they move to Tuesdays, then they're going up against Impact. Mm-hmm. Um, now, whether it'll be on the same time slot or not, I don't know because you know I, I can't predict the future. But yeah, wish I could. I'd win the lottery. But you know, it, it's it's difficult to to work out. And if they move to Tuesdays, that's fine. Again, it, it's you know you've got Monday with Raw, Tuesdays with NXT, and then Friday SmackDown. Mm-hmm. So there's that gap between the shows. I, I actually kind of like it the way it is now. Monday, Wednesday, Friday is yeah, it's like it's a day neat. a day on day off kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, it's neat. I like that. Uh, yeah, it's tidy. But um, um, 
isn't uh, isn't Impact on Tuesday nights? Yeah, Impact's Tuesdays, yeah. So they're revisiting their their original ratings war. Well, not the original one, but you know the the previous ratings war with the Impact, formerly known as TNA. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think Impact's done some great stuff recently. Some of the shows have been fantastic. Um, they've got some good stars in there. Things are working out. Uh, I, I wish the presentation would change a little bit, but and um, NXT should destroy them really on mm. on those nights, but. It's yeah, I, I I don't think I don't think we just need a another ratings war. You know, if they move to Tuesdays, they move to Tuesdays. NXT, uh, sorry, Impact will probably move to Thursday. Mm. Yeah, yeah, maybe just to, just to keep it out of the way, just to keep it out of the way and, and keep it tidy. Yeah, but, yeah. If they move to Tuesday, it's going to be for the right reason. It's going to be for contractual reasons. Um, well, as you mentioned there as well, you know, people will read into it and say, oh, they're they're obviously running scared because of AEW and And AEW will run with that you know they will Tony Khan's going to run with it because he's he's a he didn't win that promoter award for no reason yeah he's he's very good at it it, and he's very good at making noise and and fair play again and they'll run with it and the stars will run with it you know Jericho will go with it without a doubt oh no doubt yeah yeah and it's well within their rights but if they make their own name for Tuesday night with NXT, then great, good for them. Um, I, I want to see as much as possible, and it's it's horrible when you have to record everything, isn't it? When it's all at the same time, yeah, it's, it sucks. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, NXT. But we'll, we'll round off this week's episode of Central with NXT UK. Now, there's been quite a few big changes that have happened on NXT UK this week. And one in particular was we actually had a title change for the first time in God knows how long. Scenes. <laughs> yeah. Absolute scenes. Pretty Deadly have defeated Gallus uh, to become the new NXT UK Tag Champions. Uh, let me just uh, roll out some statistics for you because Gallus held the NXT UK Tag Titles for 497 days. Wow. Which is ridiculous considering how long most WWE title reigns run like even if one WWE title reign one single reign lasts over a year you know it's been a massive success but 497 like that's arguably one of the longest reigns since Pete Dunne's UK title and Walters just overtook it yeah it's crazy isn't it yeah um obviously you know the pandemic flies you know flies right into that doesn't it it stopped everything for a little while but a, a huge run um maybe as well exposing the lack of depth in the nxt uk tag team roster right now mm-hmm. um the, there wasn't as many teams there obviously you got southwell subculture and as we're about to get on to pretty deadly in a few moments time the hunt they're still knocking around um but maybe the, you know there wasn't anybody that they felt was ready until they've decided pretty deadly are the ones they're going to go with mm-hmm. like i've seen pretty deadly a couple of times on nxt uk and i just thought they were just another sort of flash in the pan pretty boy tag team and stuff you know yeah. they'd, they'd just be another obstacle for gallus to sort of continue their run but my god have they they proved me wrong you know they've definitely got that very narcissistic character about them and i think that's something that nxt uk's been lacking you know something like a character that you can properly hate because i think i think i speak well i always speak for myself here but i think there's a good chunk of the uk population that really does not like that whole 
sort of narcissistic, you know, pretty boy image. Oh, they're good-looking lads and they know it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. And that's the yeah. annoying thing, isn't and it? They'll let, what, and yeah. they'll let you know it, and they'll let you know that. Yeah, the 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 good-looking lads with an ego, you know, and that's what they're using to really get over. They, they're they just, like, proper... They're, they're the narcissist, but done right. Um, and it's... It, it's it's one of those I I still haven't really been won over by them in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched some of their earlier promos in this build-up, and they weren't great in my eyes. There was a lot of improvement that could have been done. There's something there. You knew there was something there, and they can go and they can they can do it, but it just wasn't catching me. Mm. And I think it's the right. If you're gonna make a title change, they were the ones that should have taken it. The the hunt versus Gallus probably didn't work. Yeah. Really. Southwell subculture, we've been there and done that. Grizzly Young veterans are gone. Yep. Uh Imperium, Who else is? Imperium's back on. Imperium's back on in full sale. Yep, in full sale. So who else is there? There isn't uh, not much, I don't think. Well, maybe well, there's Kenny Williams and Amir Jordan. And Amir Jordan, yeah. Uh, and about, again, they're still being built up, aren't they? So yeah, there's also Ashton Smith and Oliver Carter again being built up. Why he's not pairing with Rampage Brown is beyond me because they yeah, were totally. uh, they were a brilliant tag team in ICW. Maybe that's something that that they might have to point out. Yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. one of those where you have to go to the to to the guys booking this and go, lads, let's watch this. Yeah. Yeah, like, watch, watch what we've done here. Show them Kings of Catch versus POD at the 2019 yeah. Square Go event, ICW. And, and say, so just watch these matches, because, hey, they're on the WWE Network now, I expect. Mm-hmm. Um, watch these, and and let's see if we can replicate that here. Mm-hmm. And again, it, it's that familiarity thing, isn't it? Because the NXT exactly, UK yeah. audience will know that. Mm-hmm. Because the NXT UK audience are probably more... Brit, rest, Brit wrestling yeah. fans. Like the, the Scottish ICW crowd will recognize POD like, totally. instantly. Like, and and they, it, they know they know Kenny Williams as well. He's a much better heel than he is a face, but he seems to be portraying this baby face character alongside. Uh, uh, who was that again? Was uh, Oh, the name is. Oh, I just I literally just said his name there, but the name Amir is. Amir Jordan. Is Amir Jordan, thank yeah. you. I nearly said Ashton Smith, but no, that's. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the, Amir Jordan, that's what I meant. And, but. Ashton Smith's the same. I think he's better as a heel. Yeah, yeah, totally. But we're sort of venturing where, you know, we might be having a really heel-heavy tag division in NXT UK. Yeah, and and then therein lies the problem again. I mean, do do you end up turning somebody? Do you, you know... You can't turn turn pretty deadly. You can't turn Gallus, I don't think. I don't know. I think you could turn Gallus because Joe Coffey's shown a couple of face tendencies you know we may have lost the rampage brown last week but um you know they did a handshake at the end which mm. is often a sign you know they could be up for a face turn maybe maybe um obviously the hunt aren't gonna turn um and then you've got southwell subculture again who are obviously always you know they're, they're not gonna they're not gonna go heel no they're um, the purest baby face tag team they've got yeah they are absolutely without a doubt and it yeah i mean where, where'd you go from there I, great i think it's it sparks a bit more interest um, in, in in NXT UK with the tag titles mm-hmm. and moving on to Pretty Deadly, you did a great round of, of PR afterwards as well. Oh yeah! Uh, again, living the gimmick and looking the point. Uh, yeah, looking the part. Mm-hmm. Uh, brilliant of- stuff. But yeah, I, I'm I, again. There's, there needs to be a little bit more of a bit more rump in that division. But it's nice that there's been a change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, change is good. 
Well, speaking of change, we might see another one on NXT UK tonight because, yeah. I mean, you want if you thought 497 days was a long title reign, wait to hear this. At 550 days and continuing, Kaylee Ray is defending the NXT UK women's title against one of arguably one of the best wrestlers in the world not just best female wrestlers best wrestlers yeah all the, way, all the way from japan it's she's defending against meiko satamura now she's been advertised to be a part of nxt uk for some time now and this is going to be her first official match after kaylee ray calls her out and says i want to face the best in the world could we potentially see another title change final boss is here um yeah this is this one's going to be big i i think there is going to be a change. I think there is. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Kaylee Ray with this run. Mm. It's been brilliant when she went over for TakeOver as well uh, as part of War Games. Epic. Yep. Um, she's done some absolutely brilliant stuff. And I do half wonder if if maybe she's going to make the, the trip over to, to the uh, um. Capital Wrestling Center very soon. Now that would be um, very interesting. I I I I'd give her a shot without a doubt because I think she's great. Um, again, I, uh, someone I interviewed pre takeover uh, in uh, in Blackpool last year, mm-hmm. and she was fantastic. And obviously, you know, she had the title with her then. She was brilliant talking about her. Uh, about her reign and her run and she wanted to go as long as she could and, and and she said then she wanted to face the best and now she's about to and I think they've invested in Mako and I think they're, they've not done that for nothing they're not bringing her over here to lose in her first title match she's winning this mm. Without, and, and yeah, sorry Kaylee, but she's uh, she's winning this one <laughs> um, but yeah I think Kaylee Ray you know with this title reign it's almost as if she's submitted, like cemented herself as British wrestling's number one female talent. Uh, because, which is quite weird to say, because coming from somebody who's seen, who saw, who was watching like ICW more than one before when NXT UK came around, you always had it was either going to be her or Viper. And yeah. In, and in the case of ICW, great Viper, Viper was always seemed to be portrayed as the bigger star. And her accolades, you know, were just racking up as they went. You know, Viper obviously main eventing Kurrigan Hall in Japan against yeah. Io, against Io Shirai. Like that was arguably, I think she was the first British woman to do that as well, which is which is an unreal accolade to have. But in the context of NXT UK, it's all been about Kaylee Ray. Yeah, it really has, hasn't it? And she's just been fantastic as part of that promotion and part of that division and and what she's done climbing up to that title and winning it it's been fantastic and I've, i'm not I'm, I'm probably going to be wrong i hope i'm not she's the first uk representative of uh, as the nxt uk women's champion because i think it was what you have rear and and yep. tony storm before yep. that the last two nxt uk women's champions were both aussies and aussies yeah, yeah. so the first, you, you, She's the, the first, first Brit, <laughs> first British and first Scottish NXT UK yeah. women's champion. Yeah, yeah, the first UK champion. So this is this is great, and uh, she's definitely yeah really gone and improved herself. And I can't wait to see what she's going to do after this. And I I think it will be heading over to America when she can, and and 
good look to her because that's fantastic. And I really hope Viper steps up as well, help, help Piper Niven steps up because I think she's a great talent. She's got a brilliant story to tell. The, the, mm-hmm. the women's division there is kind of heating up a little bit. Some good, some great talents yeah. in there. I mean, we mentioned Zaya before, didn't we? Obviously, she got yes. that. She got like huge win the other week and she's got herself a personal assistant. Now. Yep. Yeah, I mean, this was a, a storyline that's been building for weeks. Like, Zaya Brookside and Nina Samuels have actually been given a proper story to work with, which it's is great, isn't it? It's fantastic. Yeah. Like, Nina, Sa- Nina Samuels is saying that Zaya's like uh, just uh, there to carry people's bags and stuff. And now Zaya's yeah. just kind of turned, it, turned it around and saying, Now you're my personal assistant for a month now after scoring a, a win uh, in the last week. So, it'll be fair play to her. I mean, this gives both Zaya and Nina a bit of character development. You know, does Zaya, you know, abuse her power? Does does Nina, yeah. you know, get a bit of a reality check and stuff? But you know, this is this is something to be invested in. You know, it's it's like WWE's taking the time to, you know, use this pandemic as a way to try and, you know, reinvent the product a little bit, try and get some stories going. I think you can though, and especially with NXT UK and the way that they've, you know, they've been able to film it and they've been able to do it in the BT studios. Mm-hmm. Still with no audience though, but they still have yeah. the, the virtual audience, don't they? They're sort of piping in Simon, aren't they? Somehow, yeah. Or at least they've got like yeah, they've got something going off. But, but um, yeah, it's it's brilliant to see that, and that, like you know, the, the females there again, you know, piping Niven, you got Viper doing great things. Mm-hmm. Isla Dawn is still in there, and and yeah, always yep. even even in and this is a I think what is very good about Isla, even in defeat, she looks very good. Yeah, definitely. And, that is a talent to have yeah because when she wins it means even more so i think that's that's a great thing and then you've got valkyrie there as well who's Uh, doing great things eva valkyrie yeah yeah she's very good uh Ginny again another brilliant talent so they've got a a good roster of of females there the talents Um, there they just need to sort of like almost find a way to sort of gel them together give them a reason to feud with each other yeah just have some you know do something and have some yeah, have, have a have a little bit of a risk that you can take, and why not? You know, fair play, just do it. If if mm. there's something they want to go for, go for it, do it. And it's yeah, not. Like don't, I, I don't think I don't think they have to be scared of trying anything with NXT UK. If they want to try something, then try mm. it. Yeah, if it doesn't not, work. Then it doesn't work. And they won't be short of bookings either, because obviously NXT UK's got that partnership with ICW and a few other independent promotions yeah. and stuff. But so they'll get a lot more exposure you know and that helps the the smaller independent promotions as a result but obviously that's not going to take effect until the pandemic uh, yeah we step into a better world yeah it looks like though we should be we should be a bit more optimistic by the summertime and you know boris has said you know by about middle end of june we could be having you know big events happening again well speaking to a couple of uh, of guys i know who i've who i've trained with who have worked with they were all quite gutted that they were booking yeah they were cancelling bookings Mm -hmm. for this year and then you know a couple of them have said to me recently you know that they've got the diary back out and they've had a few already and i've seen little adverts pop up here and there you know there's a a murmuring of excitement that some shows are coming back and once that kind of starts to happen again and people feel safe enough to go Mm -hmm. and i think that's that's the next big challenge being feeling safe enough to go to these kind of shows where you're going to be you know in a in a crowd again as soon as that happens then it's going to uh it, it's going to take off one more time and and having the talent being able to be in these different promotions is going to be great for them to be out there and work in front of a crowd and not just the empty studio 
Mm. Yeah. And just to be out there again, it's going to be a big thing. Yeah, I think, you know, I think we can uh, we can agree not just from the perspective of the performers, but also us as fans. You know, I think we can't wait to get back to, to live events. Totally. And you know what? I, I, I trained and I had my first match over a year ago. I've not stepped in a ring in a year. I want to get back in and train. I want to do something again, you know. It, I've not done it for a year now. And I think just that thrill of, of those guys who've been able to do it, but behind closed doors, when they get out in front of that crowd, they're gonna, they're just going to love it. It's going to be an emotional moment for some. Yeah, totally. Uh, but that's all the time we've got for in this week of uh, ESSR Central. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. Uh, if you want to catch uh, more of the content we produce here on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, uh, we've got our central shows which come out every Thursday and our ESSR feature show which comes out every Tuesday. This week, uh, the GOAT David Campbell leads the panel as they discuss uh, and review season three of GLOW. Quite uh, an entertaining listen to it, if I do say so. Uh, so make sure you're subscribed to the show on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, all good Android podcasting sites. Uh, you can catch us on any of those platforms. Uh, be sure to follow us on social media as well, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Suplex Retweet. Make sure to join in on our community page as well. Leave a few comments uh, from this week's show. Say, do you think the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Awards were, were out of order this year, or do you think some of them were, were justified? And also be sure to check out our YouTube channel as well. We've got great shows such as The Conspiracy Theory, which discuss the, the WNs in greater detail. We've got East Meets West, which just came out on the back catalogue. Make sure you see us there. We've got Quiz Showdown uh, 8, Re Legends of Wrestling, which is now up on the YouTube channel. Let's see who could Ryan Gallagher successfully defend the, the Quiz Showdown Championship or will he lose it to one of the challengers? And obviously, as we mentioned earlier on, we've also got uh the book it tournament semi-final between strack and stephen wilson so to see who gets to face me in the final so all that and more as part of the eat sleep suplex retweet community and john i want to say thank you again for joining me on this week's episode of central it's been a, a real pleasure to have you on i hope to get you back on again uh, in the near future oh without a doubt thank you very much for having us and uh, just give us a shout when you want us i'm here yeah, no worries. Uh, and I've been David Hockney. This has been the ESSR Central, and we'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Scott McLeod. And I'm Grant McGrobby. We are the hosts of the monthly show on Eat Retreat East Meets West. Where we'll bring you all the latest happenings, reviews, and big events from New Japan and the land of the Far East. You can remember to check that out on the Eat Sleep Retreat podcast feed on all good Android podcasting sites like Anchor, Spotify, or iTunes now. <laughs>